What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Inside D3 Show. I'm your host, Morgan Cheatham, back with a brand new intro for you guys. If you're one of our new viewers, then thank you for checking us out for the first time. If you're one of our day one viewers, then we appreciate you sticking around since the beginning. So before we get started today, make sure you check us out on our website, InsideD3.com. Follow us on our Instagram and Twitter, at D3Inside. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Inside D3 Athletics, where you can find all of our episodes as well. If you happen to be on the go and can't watch our videos, you can listen to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Anchor. Also, be sure to check out the mascot of the week with Sam and any news that might drop in the meantime as well. And we got some good stuff planned for you guys for the summer, so we're definitely looking forward to that as well. Um, But yeah, that's all I got for you guys, so hopefully you enjoy the show. Today, we have another special guest. He is one of Inside D3's very own, Sam Febrock. He is the editor-in-chief of Inside D3. He's also starting his first year as an SID at Olivet Nazarene University. Okay, in uh, Bourbonnet, Illinois. So, uh, Sam, thank you for coming on for us. Um, so let's just get right into it, though. Uh, well, first off, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, uh, Morgan. Uh, I have a lot going on this weekend, so and, and I'll talk a little bit about that later. Uh, but... Um, I'm happy to be here, and thank you for inviting me on the show this week. Yeah, yeah, a big, big day coming up for you. So we'll we'll talk about it a little later on, but I'm not going to spoil it too much right now. But <laughs> so let's just talk first about you know you, I guess. You know, talk a little bit about who you are. You know, give us some background of you know some of the experience you've had through athletics. You know, throughout your life. My journey in athletics has been kind of weird, so to say. I graduated in 2017 from Bradley University uh, with a degree in sport communication while working uh, two jobs, one as a founding member of the uh, ESPN3 broadcasts for our athletic teams, and I was a student manager at our rec center, uh, basically uh, supervising students um, through like different setups, teardowns, and events. It wasn't until I left Bradley in uh, 2017 that I got a part-time job um, as an athletic communications assistant at um, Northern Illinois uh, University covering uh, softball, women's golf, and wrestling. But the way I got that job was kind of bizarre. Um, I was working my part-time job at Oakley when this uh, person came in. His name was Joe uh, Summons, and he was just decked out in Northern Illinois gear, and I was like, he must work there. And he was like, well, I in fact do. And I was like, what do you do? Um, and by, by the way, I was selling him Oakley lenses um, all during what happened here. And he was like, well, I work um, as an athletic communications uh, director. And he was like, well, are you hiring? And he was like, yeah, I, I actually in fact am. And, and well, he's today one of my main mentors and I go to for guidance. Uh, well, my time at Northern Illinois only lasted a year because um, they had to cut my position due to budget cuts. I was kind of um, kind of lost, and I didn't know what, what I was going to do. I wanted to do this athletic communications thing, but um, you needed a master's degree to um, advance in the field. So what I did was I came across North Park, uh, Division Three school, the, um, the CCIW, very prestigious conference with North Central, Elmhurst, uh, just to name a few, Augustana. And I, um, I covered a lot of the women's sports there, women's basketball, um, softball mainly. But I also did uh, uh, cover our Sweet 16 uh, men's soccer team and our women's soccer team as well. 
Um, and I learned pretty much the trade of sports information from there. And I gave me experience to actually um, get my graduate degree in organizational leadership uh, with certificates in marketing management, um, leadership, and, leadership and development. But it wasn't until uh, the COVID-19 pandemic that I had to now look for a full-time job. And that was a challenge. I was looking for about four to six, uh, four to six months to find a job. And I finally found a home at the NAIA level um, at a CCA ski called um, Olivet Nazarene University, which a lot of people know as um, Olivet Nazarene University because of their football team and also because the Chicago Bears um, had their training camp there for the longest time, not anymore. But my, my journey through athletics has been kind of um, weird. Uh, so to say, and I'm glad I found my home as a tiger at Olivet Nazarene. Yeah, definitely. So I want to ask you, you know, what was that transition like going from, you know, North Park to an NAIA school? How was that, you know, in terms of making that decision and, you know, what went, beyond, what went behind that decision, actually? Well, I wanted to run, I always wanted to be a leader and to run my own department someday. And I didn't think it was going to be this quick. Um, well, I give a big shout out to Tyler Woolbright um, for teaching me a lot of stuff and to uh, be my supervisor over there. Um, I think my pedigree came from kind of my stats work, and I think that's what really intrigued the people over at Olivet Nazarene University in my, um, in my authentic leadership, just being myself and leading this group of people. So th that kind of went into my decision. Also, I wanted to, uh, like I said, run my own department um, and do my own do my own thing and be a leader to these students um, and I'm all about giving them opportunities and I'm I'm giving a lot of opportunity to students this year so um, what came into my decision was yeah I wanted to find a job but also I wanted to find an opportunity where I can grow professionally and to be the best leader I can possibly be so you know going into your first year obviously as an SID that's a very big role to step into for the first time I feel like for anybody so what is, you know, how are these challenges that you're facing right now, you know, especially with COVID-19 and trying to plan for this season and everything like that, you know, uh, how has that been for you? Well, the COVID-19 um, put a damper at the rest of my um, North Park uh, career too. So it's been, it's been a challenge to overcome kind of the challenges behind COVID-19, um, having to learn all of these new challenges and having to uh, abide by social guidelines is kind of uh, crazy. And, it, you know, it's, it's just, we're all changing. This is the new normal now. Um, we, have to, we have to adjust and with um, budgets being cut and with everything being completely online in the spring, it was crazy to have my graduation move to December. And what I've learned through all this is you have to be patient as not only a student, which I was um, a couple months ago, now to a full-time employee, and you need to be adaptive to learning what is actually the new normal and what is like your role. Your role is to protect uh, students, you're there for the students. You're not there. You're not there to um, to. You're there to progress yourself, of course, but you're really there to work for the student athlete. So we want to protect them as much as possible. And if we need to um, cancel fall sports, then that's what we need to do to protect our student athlete. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a weird time for you know, especially 
you know, positions of power like you and, you know, the, the people that, you know, are making these big decisions on how student athletes are going to be, you know, living their life for the next year or so, or, you know, trying to make sure that that experience is the best for them by, but at the same time being like as safe as possible. That's definitely one of the huge sure. challenges I feel like a lot of people are facing in the NCAA just as a whole. So uh, let's talk a little bit about you as an inside D3 editor-in-chief. So I want to know, you know, for the people that don't know, I call you guys the brains behind the operation because I feel like I'm just here to talk. So tell me a little bit about... You really are, Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> tell me a little bit about some of the things that you do, you know, behind the scenes, in front of the camera. Uh, just tell us a little bit about your role. So I'm going to kind of tell you how I actually got this role. Um, first of all, uh, JT, uh, JT actually um, followed the North Park Athletics page. And I was like, what in the world is an inside D3? Um, and I kind of read about it and I kind of like, well, I want to write and I want to do like these types of things kind of for my job. And I think an SID perspective would be really cool in this sort of publication. And that's kind of where I um, got the idea to write for um, Inside E3. My first article that I wrote about um, was just fantastic. I can't exactly remember which one it was. I think it was the Grinnell story. Yeah, I think that's what it was um, for college. And, you know, I had a lot of fun writing that story um, just because Grinnell has one of the oldest football teams, uh, not the oldest football team in D3. Um, fun fact about Grinnell football, they actually played the first game west of the Mississippi against Nebraska. Um, and they beat Nebraska, too, at Nebraska. So it, well, that was an interesting story, and to um, be kind of like that journalistic figure reaching out to an SID, uh, Ted Schultz that I know well um, from working from North Park, it was really fun. And I was like, well, I want to keep doing this. And um, JT kind of bestowed um, my title as chief um, editor-in-chief, which I love to write just like breaking news stories, um, like stories that would like interest the D3 uh, crowd. But my other, my other kind of niche is my mascots and my nicknames. Um, I am a self-proclaimed mascotologist. That's, that's what I give myself. Um, and I know most of the D1 through D3, actually all D1 through all D3 uh, mascots, plus some NAIAs now. I'm still trying to learn all those like millions and millions upon millions of D3 schools that we have especially in the East Coast, um, but, I'm, but my, my background's more into the writing and the creative process with that. But uh, my mascot experience has gone back to like 2007 where I was trying to memorize everyone on the rosters of all the D1 uh, basketball teams um, and kind of grew from that. And now I'm working my way through high schools as well. So the but what I do with Inside D3 is pretty much give you the breaking story, breaking news stories, and the mascots. I think it kind of went full circle because, you know, you went right into a role where you're doing essentially the same thing, but on a professional level like that. So it's cool yeah. that you have that, you know, the duality today, to be able to do, you know, both of those things. And they're pretty much around the same realm. So that's, that's awesome. So let's go right into you know, a little bit of a discussion. So I want to talk a little bit about, you know, just the challenges that a lot of people are facing, obviously, with, you know, the planning, like I said, of fall sports. 
I want to know, like, you know, some of your thoughts on how teams are handling it, how conferences are handling it, how the NCAA is handling it, you know, in terms of keeping people safe and trying to limit sure. contact, but at the same time, you know, making sure that, you know, they try to get kids as much play as they can. Yeah, I mean, what, Morgan, what a time we're living in right now. Like, we had, we had race riots, we had COVID-19, now we have a squirrel testing positive for the bubonic plague in Colorado. Um, and, you know, this uh, 2020 needs to just go away, we need to have 2021. And what I mean about that is, well, with the COVID-19 pandemic, but also all the civil unrest, which we'll talk about later, um, but... What a lot of what the NCAA, what I'm hearing is doing is letting the individual conferences make calls. And um, you pretty much already seen the Ivy League and D1. You've seen um, a couple of um, California conferences and NAIA. You also have a lot of schools in the NESCAC with um, Amherst and you also have Bowdoin um, and all of those schools canceling their fall sports altogether. And like I said, the NCAA and their governing bodies are kind of leaving it up to the individual conferences and the schools on what, uh, where they're at. I know for a fact that a lot of the CCIW schools are going to try to have some sort of fall sports, whether that being non-contact moving to the spring, like um, kind of the Ivy League is trying to think about doing, or stuff, stuff like that, or the Big Ten having um, all their football, like all their stuff going to be conference only. Um, I can see that happening with the CCIW because of the uh, proximity of all the schools. But I mean, you have, you have some D2 um, conferences also um, canceling their uh, fall sports. The PSAC um, is, uh, canceled, a lot of, canceled a lot of their fall sports. You also have schools dropping athletics too. You have uh, like athletic programs like Stanford which had like 40 something ridiculous, like they had synchronized swimming and, and like synchronized skating and squash. Who plays squash That's a on great the West question. Coast? Nobody, I'm here to answer that, not as whole. And I'm, and I'm, kind, of, I'm kind of surprised that our mascot of the week um, does alpine skiing. Like you East Coast schools can do whatever you want, but, um, but a West Coast school having squash, that's a little weird. Um, but also, uh, during this time, a lot of um, athletic departments have been um, focusing on their esports. Yeah. Um, Olivet Nazarene still competed uh, through this COVID-19 pandemic with um, esports. And you have a lot of these Division three schools emerging as, um, as esport hotspots. Um, not COVID hotspots, but esports hotspots. And that kind of gave a rise because of this COVID-19 pandemic. So we're going to see like what kind of stuff happens in the fall, but we, uh, if you haven't gotten a clue yet, it's going to be a little different. It's not going to be a normal fall season, both for the school and for the SID as well. Yeah, not at all. I think, you know, the, the thought of all conference plays still, still seems a little strange to me, you know, at the same time, it's like, you know, obviously there, most of those conferences are going to be in close proximity, but you know, there's still right. going to be a lot of, issues with travel I'm sure um, you know hotels are going to be still in contact with you know everybody that that's in and out of there so it's kind of going to be you know really I think just a day-by-day kind of thing where they're just going to see you know how everything goes I'm sure but 
you know, I, I just want to know, you know, what's going to go on with spectators as well. You know, are, are they going to have spectators available for people, sure. you know, going be able to watch their kids play or watch their friends play? You know, how's that going to work? Um, but yeah, let's let's go right into some more stuff. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, you know, what are some what ifs? Like, what are some of the worst case scenarios that you think might happen like during this whole situation? So, I mean, I'm going to do a very important what if first. What if student athletes test positive for these things? What if, because they're amateurs, they can't get paid. So they're not going to get that insurance. They're not going to get that insurance that they're not going to catch it. We've, we've seen schools at the D1 level like LSU and all these, and all these schools get players like student athletes that test positive for the, this virus. What happens if you play a school like, um, like if North Park plays, goes to play Carroll, where you have to go into a different state and um, your guys, like six guys, test positive before they play a football game? What if we don't have spectators? Then I think people with streams have to get a lot better. Mm-hmm. Live stats have to be better with the institutions that don't have live stats. Like, like um, I mean – you you need to you need to plan for these things and you need to make sure that you are painting your athletic department in a good light as well. So I mean, what what if we don't have fall sports? Then what happens to the little conferences um, like the Empire Conference or the Empire Eights, excuse me, or the Centennial Conference that are they're little schools and they can't afford to not have a fall season because they have to have football or they have to have soccer like the NESCAP. The NESCAC is a soccer conference with Amherst and Bowdoin and, and all that kind of stuff, but you need to have fall sports. Um, and what if we don't? You're going to have schools like McMurray, um, McMurray College in Illinois closing. My article is actually on Inside D3 about that. Quick shout out for that. <laughs> um, but I'm going, uh, but it's, it's, it's evident that schools might be closing and um, and athletic departments might be dissolving. You have you have a place like Vanderbilt, which is dissolving their athletic communications program and merging them with university communications, and they can't afford to have twenty people on uh, twenty people on staff. Well, guess what? I mean, it's probably going to be the new reality if we don't have fall sports. So, what if what if we don't have fall sports? What if we don't have sports to begin with? Uh, to begin with, you have places like Florida and Texas spiking right now. You have places like California spiking right now. And you have places like Illinois and New York and New Jersey, excuse me, New Jersey and Maryland and doing fine. But you have these places around the country that are spiking super high. What if we don't have, what if we, what if they can't bring any money to the economy? So it's, it is a nightmare. It's also a nightmare from SID's perspective. You don't have anything to cover in the spring. What in the world, in the fall, what in the world are you going to do with your uh, fall? You can always make record books. You can always make media guides. You can always um, do that project that you put off for six years. Um, but what are, you, what are you going to do? You're not going to cover sports. You're going to be literally being a university marketer for recruits and stuff. So, I mean, it's very like evident that it might be in that direction with, um, with what happened in the spring, too. So. I'm kind of looking forward to see what all the schools do that, and a lot of schools have already made the decisions. So I'm the what ifs are astronomical, Morgan. But 
I'm being honest with you. If we don't have a fall season, this is going to be bad for the NCAA. They can't have championships. And it's, it's just utterly ridiculous of the times we're going through right now. Yeah, and you're seeing how many, like, schools, you know, you're hearing that they've lost so much money just from yeah. the spring season alone not being able to finish, you know, not having championships for a lot of different sports. You know, that's that's a big place for revenue for a lot of these conferences. And it's going to be, you know, another huge hit if that doesn't happen. But um, sure. I think at the same time, you know, you got to look on both sides of it, of, you know, whether the money or the safety, you know, you obviously know which one is more important. but you know, yeah. to the schools, you're, you're going to see, you know, I think over the course of the next couple months where a lot of people's priorities are going to be. So it's going to be a tricky situation for everybody involved, I think. Um, I think that's going to be the, the most difficult thing we see is when more problems start to arise than the ones that we already have now. Um, right. So. And, 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 you know, as, as a coach, and you are a coach um, – how is recruiting – what if you can't recruit on campus? Yeah. What and is, and, and one of the other to... things that I was thinking about is, you know, we're not going to be able to even recruit in person for a lot of situations if, if high schools aren't yeah. going to be able to, you know, compete like that. So, yeah, go if, ahead. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's how are you going to comp- – how are you going to – you have to look at the precedent with, like, your recent success. You're a mm-hmm. new coach. And – you don't, you have not been a part of that success. And how are you going to recruit the, the kids on, on the recent success that you were not a part of? It's, it's, you can only go from like what you're, what you're like told and what you what the president was for the sport. So it's recruiting is going to look a lot different. Your coaching protocols are going to look a lot different. You're going to have to keep track of your equipment, like Hawks. You're like, contact sports and like I mean you're a track coach so the pole vaults you're gonna have to keep track of the pole vaults you're gonna have to keep track of the hammers you're gonna have to keep track of the javelins you're gonna have to make sure those are sanitary for your student athletes to use so and you need to make sure that like you limit your road trips and stuff to like close bus trips and I think that's going to be a problem for the Big Ten especially because you're playing schools that are in Pennsylvania in New Jersey in New York but you also have schools in the Midwest. So how in the world are you going to, like, fathom that? It's, it's nuts. It's nuts. And I think yeah. that leads us into, you know, another one of the issues, which is going to be, you know, campus life. How yeah. is that situation going to go? Like, are schools going to be online? Is it going to be, you know, it's, it's hard to social distance on a campus that, you know, requires so many people to interact with each other and cross paths so much so. That's going to be another thing that I think is going to be very difficult for schools to handle is, you know, trying to make sure that campus life is safe, whether there's classrooms that are, you know, going to be, you know, limited to a certain amount of people or what. Like, it's going to be a lot of question marks on that, too, I think. Yeah, and I think a lot of it has to do with what the state guidelines are going to be like. So I know for a fact that Illinois and state uh, in phase four, which we're going to kind of going back kind of like three and a half kind of right now. Um, because Chicago's a massive, but um, a lot of different, a lot of different states have restrictions on learning. Like, how are you going to learn effectively if you're not in the classroom? Um, and learning stuff online, well, it's easy for master students, um, but it's hard for the undergrad that is trying to look uh, for a future and stuff too. So, I mean, it's 
this is this is all ridiculous and there's no precedent for it and it's super super inconvenient at the time for the um student athlete as well and the and the coach um but i think schools have to just see what the states have to do and if the states tell them to go online they have to go online and it stinks yeah but you just need to get through it um and I imagine a college experience, um, like I had at Bradley, being fun, in, in person, getting a lot of hands-on experience. You can't have that if you're going through a pandemic. You can't have that hands-on experience because you have to be very aware of what's going on. So, I mean, it's, it's going to bring a brand new life into campus life, and you can't, like, congregate. And I don't know how schools are going to actually enforce it. Are they going to make students wear masks going to and from class are they going to have to wear gloves in class they're going to probably have to wear masks because they're not going to be six feet apart but um i think schools are doing everything they can to make sure that everyone's safe and uh back to my point earlier we we as faculty staff and professors i'm not a professor uh but i can probably talk to some professors um on this show but we're here for the student athlete and to keep them safe so you want to make sure you keep them safe and you can do whatever you need to do to keep them safe. Because last thing you want is a COVID-19 outbreak at a 400 person school and like half of your student population gets it. You need to make, you just need to make sure that everyone is safe. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, and that kind of transitions us over to our next kind of question mark, I would say is, you know, in terms of, you know, a lot of the Black Lives Matter protests and, you know, everything going on with that, um, you know, obviously there's probably going to be, you know, another spike in, you know, the people that are protesting on the field, on the court, you know, whatever it may be. Um, do you think that we'll see a lot of that in Division Three or even just NCAA as a whole? Um, I think it kind of depends on the campus life or in the, in the, in the um, environment on, like, the campus but you sing, you're seeing a lot of people at the MLS level, NWL, which is the National Women's Soccer League, um, NWSL, excuse me. You have um, people in the NFL going to do it. Um, you're, in fact, you're gonna actually going to have um, the NFL play the, um, the Black National Anthem for their first week at every stadium, which is awesome. Um, that's never been, never been done before. Um, so what I'm going to – what I'm – looking to see at the division three level is unity among the student athletes and I think they're going to look to their role models in the NBA the NFL the MLS um, and the NWSL and they're going to see actually what is actually going to go about and if they're doing it I think they're going to do it and I think it just depends on the campus but I think that a lot of campuses um, they're going to let they're going to let you do your own thing and I think that's um, going to be evident on campus and you're going to and you're definitely going to see it um you're definitely going to see it you're it's not going to go away uh, this police brutality thing is not going to go away um and i mean it's it's just not that's that's the that's the reality behind it unless we stop it and unless we protest it and and you know morgan we're definitely going to see it on campuses yeah i agree i think um you know, Division Three is one of those special places because it is most of these schools, if not all of these schools, are predominantly white. So it's going to sure. be interesting to see, you know, what 
teams with positions of power in terms of, you know, their respective sports are going to be for these protests and if they're not. And, you know, I think that you have to give these kids the freedom to, you know, be able yeah. to voice their opinion outwardly, you know, especially whether it's on their field or court or, you know, respective playing area or not, you know, you still have to give them that freedom of speech and that freedom to speak on what right. they believe in. So it's going to be, and you know, and you know, a college is very uh, expressive. Um, if you've like went through history and went through all like the freedom of speech stuff, um, a lot of California schools are, um, have been in the news historically about being very, uh, very responsive to kinds of these kinds of protests um, of speech and stuff. And in, you're definitely going to see the students um, do something. You're definitely going to you're definitely going to see it. Um, if not on campus, um, outside of campus, or if you have that one president that's going to protest um, you doing it, and you still do it, and they're under fire, like like Missouri a couple of years ago with the journalist and all that kind of jazz, you're going to see the students revolt and you're going to see the students um, preach their freedom of speech rights because they do have rights and they do want to exercise them. No doubt, no doubt. So now I want to kind of give you the floor. Um, we got a little bit of a surprise for everybody coming in today. So I'm going to give you the floor and let you do what you need to do right now. So Sam, it's all it's all on you. Spotlight's on you. All right. Well, um, I have a big I have a big day on Saturday. I'm getting married to my beautiful uh, fiance Hannah that I have known for um, almost seven years, and um, and I just thank God that I'm marrying this woman and all this kind of stuff uh, with that. And I am very hope I'm very happy to be on the show. Very. Um, right before I'm getting married. So um, thank you for inviting me once again, Morgan. Um, and I can't thank you enough for all the opportunities that you've given me with the Inside D3 world and um, putting me onto the map when it comes to my journalistic skills and to spotlight uh, the, the segment that I'm about to do right now, Morgan. Are you ready for this? I'm you ready. It live. I've been ready since you told me yesterday. I so. do not Let's need do to record this. Um, so that actually leaves a uh, space on my phone where I can actually take pictures on my big day. Thank yes, you for that. Um, so today my mascot of the week is going to be live. Um, and if you've seen this for the first time or the hundredth time, you're going to love this one. Um, this school is up in Maine and they have the weirdest color scheme that I've seen in my life. They have the brown and the blue. And it's none other than the St. Joseph College of Maine Monks. And I wanted to do this one for a couple of weeks, but I wanted to do it um, when I was on camera. So um, St. Joseph of Maine is the only college and university um, in the United States in any division to have the monk moniker. The term monk describes a priest or a relig uh, religious figure who has dedicated his life to the church. A monk is kind of like a friar um, that Providence has, but a monk is a little bit more um, old school than a uh, friar. So um, the, the friar or the monk, excuse me, the monk um, reflects the togetherness and a group coming together for one purpose, uh, physical and mental discipline and inner energy. It makes for a good teammate and a good student athlete. Uh, the history of the St. Joseph College monks dates back to the 1970s, 
um, after um, one year after the Board of Trustees decided that the college would become co-educational. So because it wasn't a ma male only college um, and they hired then college president Bernard P. Courier, which hired Christopher Kernan from Assumption College, home of the Greyhounds, um, to be the director of admissions. At that point, St. Joseph's um, did not have a mascot or a, nick a nickname, so Chris Kernan was challenged to make that change. Um, and he was like, where in the world are we gonna get our uniforms? But from his time um, at Assumption College, Kernan knew that the Assumption Prep uh, was about to close its doors. So Assumption Prep is, uh, was a high school, um, kind of a college um, hybrid kind of place. Um, so he was like, um, well, where are we gonna get these jerseys? So Assumption Prep sent Kernan the uniforms on the uniforms, the prep school nicknamed the Monks. So it was actually on purpose that the mascot was a monk because it was from Assumption. Um, and from this time on, um, they are now called the monks. One of the earliest monk keepsakes um, at St. Joseph's College um, was from President Courier uh, from Friar Edmund Hagley, uh, the, dean of, the Dean of Admissions at Stonehill College, which is still around, it's a D3 college, um, and, was, and he was also a member of the St. Joseph's Board of Trustees. He was traveling to Ireland one summer and purchased a small wooden replica of a monk um, for President Courier. President Courier then kept the monk statue in his office until he passed in 1978 um, when it was given to Kernan um, by President Courier's widow. Kernan returned um, the monk to St. Joseph's at the inaugural Athletic Hall of Fame ceremony in, 20, um, in 2000. That work of art has been the fixture of St. Joseph's College Department of Athletics, and it can be still found in offices today. So the, um, the monk has gone through um, five different, excuse me, four different mascot changes. Uh, they have gone with, in the 1970s, with a cartoon monk with a halo on top of its head, and then they had a monk that looked like he was kind of like, like a guy hitchhiking on the side of the road. Um, um, for the early uh, 80s and 90s, and then they had kind of a tough-looking monk from the 90s to the early 2000s, 2006. And then um, 2007, um, the monk has not changed since then, and it's dowed with a um, brown coat with a blue beard, which is kind of the, one of the best um, logos I have seen. Uh, St. Joseph's College of Maine is famous for their soccer team, which went 20-1 and one a couple years ago, um, and they went to the NCAA Sweet 16 and lost. Uh, but the Monk is a very cool nickname, and it will always be part of the St. Joseph College of Maryland, uh, Maine life. And you have other like religious figures, um, like you don't have – you, and Division Three as well. You have the Summit, uh, Clark Summit Defenders, um, and then you have a lot of like, a lot, a lot of like Bible schools that will endow like, um, kind of some of the uh, same characteristics in the religious church. But the monks um, is a really cool mascot, and I was really happy to share that with you today. Yeah, very unique mascot indeed. Thank you so much, Sam, for coming on. We definitely appreciate it. We couldn't do Inside D3 without you, my God. Um, also, congratulations on your soon-to-be, you know, marriage. Hopefully the wedding goes beautifully. 
Um, definitely congratulations on that. And yeah, man, thank you for coming on. Thank you for giving us another mascot of the week. Morgan, it's been a pleasure and thank you so much for having me on this week. And, um, and you can always catch me on Twitter at um, STV Sports 554. And um, I chose I chose Inside D3 because it's a bunch of great people, and and I'm looking forward to continuing my Inside Three uh, Inside D3 journey with you. And not being in D3, but in the NAI level, but I'm gonna still keep a really close eye on the D3 level as it always does change. We know you would. Thank you so much, man. So that does it for another episode of the Inside D3 Show. Thank you guys again for checking in. Stay tuned for more episodes. We drop them every Wednesday on all of our platforms. Also, stay connected on all of our platforms for any stories that might drop during the week as well. And also, stay locked in for the mascot of the week with Sam V. Rock right after this, and you do not want to miss that. So, once again, I'm Morgan Cheatham. This is the Inside D3 Show, and we are signing off.